When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Presented by Progressive Insurance. So someone uh, on Twitter, at Hunter Town, I can't decide what this is supposed to say. Hunter Own Bay, I don't know what this says. Don't make any difference. Uh, someone named Hunter tweeted, why would you use a giraffe as a measuring tool? Well, the writer wants people to read it, right? A story that has nothing to do with sports just got 15 minutes on your show because of that title. The writer knew what he was doing. I, I, I still, I cannot accept the fact that we are now going to measure things in giraffe. It just does not seem like a, a reasonable unit of measurement, right? <laughs> like he's half a giraffe tall. I, I just don't get it. Like there is a, in, in Great Britain, won't they sometimes say that someone weighs something and they compare it to a stone? Like he's is something stone. I, I, I don't know exactly yes. what that is, right? There's got to be some sort of historical derivation of that, right? But I mean, a stone can weigh a lot of different amounts, right? So is there just one size of stone that they're comparing it to? Do you have that in front of you there? Apparently a stone, a unit of mass is 14 pounds, but I don't have the, I don't have the origin. So, so they, it just started with a 14-pound stone. It's customary in, 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 England, in England for body weight, which I did not know. Right, I've heard that. I mean, I've heard people weighed as so some number of stone, hmm. which when you really think about it, doesn't make any more sense than how tall you are as compared to a giraffe. Well, let me very quickly point something out, and I, I may have not fully interpreted all the things that Draymond Green was saying a moment ago, but for the people joining us um, and all, other, uh, all over the country, Draymond Green was talking last night about the relationship between uh, players and media. And that has obviously evolved enormously in the time that I've been doing this for a living. When I was doing this for a living, and I started out covering the, the, the Bulls in the 90s, so one of the highest profile sports teams ever, with the biggest star in the world, Michael Jordan. And I can tell you, I had unfettered one-on-one access to him every single day. Because on a busy day, there'd be seven reporters there. And that, that was a busy day. Most days, there'd be three or four. It's just the way it was then. Nowadays, and, and, and but more to the point, that's all the people that were talking about them. Beyond that, you would get to callers on a talk show. Nowadays, it started with the internet exploded into blogs, which required a lot less um, which essentially meant that practically anyone could be covering a team. You didn't have to be there all the time. You could just write it and people would start reading it. And the next thing you know, it's legitimate. It's coverage and it's out there. And then, of course, social media takes that to a whole other level where now literally every person watching you play has an opinion that they can share anytime and as much as they want. And it gets out there into the zeitgeist and it can become sort of groupthink Uh, which I think is one of the many huge problems that we have in the echo chamber at times, that is uh, particularly Twitter. Having said that, I just wanted to share one quick story. Wayne Gretzky was playing, I want to say for the LA Kings. This would have been in the early 90s. It doesn't matter. They came to Chicago. It doesn't make any difference uh, what team he was playing for at the time. But they came to Chicago. I'm a young reporter in Chicago. And I get sent out to the pregame skate 
to try and get an interview with Wayne Gretzky that we're going to run on the talk shows. Okay, so I'm, my whole job, I'm not I'm not sitting down with him. I'm, I'm literally going to hold a microphone in front of his face as he talks about playing the Blackhawks that night. And he's going to say whatever he says. I'm going to feed those sound bites back and they're going to play them all day long on the radio station. That's my job. So I'm driving out to where they're skating, their pregame skate, which was in the old Chicago stadium then. And I got pulled over on my way there. And as a consequence, I was late. And I miss his pregame opportunity. He does not. He talks to all the reporters, and then they do their thing. All the reporters leave because they've got what they need. I'm standing there. I, I was probably 24, 25 years old, and I'm drenched in sweat. Oh, my God, I didn't get my job done today. I'm going to have to call the people I work for. I was, I mean, I was, just at, I was at the bottom of the totem pole trying to work my way up. And I'm thinking, I'm going to have to call back to the station and say, I didn't get Gretzky? They're not going to be interested in why. And it's my problem, not theirs, that I got pulled over. It wasn't even for speeding. I made an illegal turn. <laughs> this was in the streets. This is Chicago Stadium. Is it right in the, in the, it's where the United Center is now, essentially. It's right on Madison Street in Chicago. You're not, riding, you're not going on a highway to get there. Anyway, doesn't matter. The point is I miss it. So I'm standing there, and I'm trying to figure out, because I didn't cover a lot of hockey. I'm trying to figure out when they finish this pregame skate, in which direction is he going to go to exit? Because I want to camp out there because there's a couple of different places he could theoretically go. I'm going to camp out there and I'm going to beg him on bended knee. Please, Wayne. <laughs> I know you don't know me. I know you're the greatest player that ever lived. <laughs> but I, 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 I need a moment of your time. I missed the pregame opportunity or the pre-skate opportunity because I got pulled over. I, I'm ready to say all of that. So I'm standing right in, in a spot where I'm visible. And I swear on my life this is true. He skates over to me, a 24-year-old kid holding a tape recorder with no standing of any kind. There is literally zero chance he knew who I was. He skates over to me and says, I didn't see you at the pregame opportunity, or pre-skate opportunity, media opportunity, is do you need anything? And I said, um, yes. Uh, is there any chance? And I said it to him. I, I got, I got a, a, a ticket on my way over here, and I was late as a result. I'm so sorry. Is there any way I could ask you like three questions? He said, go stand right there, and when we're done, I will come over there. And that is exactly what he did. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky. So, like, the great ones get it. And in his case, literally the great one. <laughs> they get it. And Jordan was unbelievably easy to deal with from that perspective. And most of the great ones did. Having an adversarial relationship with the people that cover you is just not beneficial to anyone. And most of the great ones tend to get that. Now, I fully understand that the media has changed, the relationships have changed, the athletes have changed, the society we live in, the culture we live in has changed. There is a coarseness, a nastiness um, that permeates so much of this that did not previously exist and I think has made it very complicated, and I totally get that. I'm sympathetic to um, what it must be like to be, insert name here, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Tom Brady, whoever you are, you're the biggest star in your sport or one of the biggest stars in your sport, and you're being bombarded constantly. But the smart ones tend to understand how to use that to their advantage. You know, I'm the media. Use me. My whole job is to be used by you. And I think that the great ones 
understand that. So I've always, I love that story. I, I and and have I ever told you that one before? I don't recall hearing. Yeah, that. and 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 that was Wayne Gretzky for crying out loud. Now again, it's a different time and a different place, and hockey coverage in this country in particular is a little different. I, I don't think Jordan would have done that. Like Jordan would have done his thing, and then if there was someone he didn't know who was who had gotten there late, do I think he would have pulled him aside and said, "Sure, I'll give you whatever you need." Probably not, but you never know. So anyway, that's just what jumped to my mind as, as uh, I was hearing that from Draymond Green. Since we're on this subject and I went longer than I intended to, let, let me do a moment on them. The Warriors get Draymond back. The Warriors, before Draymond got hurt, and this is why, and, and Nuno brought it up yesterday, I voted for Draymond as a starter in the All-Star game, which he obviously couldn't do because he was injured at the time. And he didn't wind up winning that vote. His teammate, Andrew Wiggins, did. But I've never felt better about a choice that I made in my life than I have since seeing what happened when they lost Draymond Green. When Draymond Green was healthy and playing, the Warriors were the best team in the NBA. I don't have it in front of me. I think they were 24-6 and six or something before he got hurt. Look, look it, was, it was right after Christmas. So whenever, whenever he went out, they were something like 24-6. and six. They had the best record in the NBA, not Phoenix. I remember we did two back. We had back-to-back games between the Suns and the Warriors. The Warriors were the better team. They were twenty-seven and six through twenty-seven and six, and since then they've basically been five hundred. And the Suns have run away and hidden with the top seed in the Western Conference. And Golden State is sort of fighting it out with Memphis, who will be two, who will be three, which will determine a who they get in the first round, and then b who has home court advantage when they play each other in the second. But it is the opinion of a lot of people I know that if they are firing on all cylinders, the Warriors, not the Suns, are the best team in the West. Nuno, you are my vice president of basketball information and insight. Fully healthy. Who you got? Seven-game series in the Western Conference Final with your mortgage on the line. Golden State or Phoenix? Uh, It's simple. It's Golden State. I trust one through three. I'm going to trust Steph, Clay and Draymond before I trust anyone on that uh, Suns team. Mm. Hembo. I favor Phoenix. Obviously, the Draymond Green injury is huge. They're 20 and 16 since Christmas, but they did have the best record beforehand. I'm going to pick Phoenix. They're seven and a half games clear of everybody. Obviously, Chris Paul is out right now. And I've not seen Clay Thompson be Clay Thompson for long stretches. That would be sort of the tiebreaker on my end. He had one big game. Uh, we, we actually had in the pregame show on Saturday night. I mean, you are correct. In our pregame show on Saturday night, we had Warriors Bucks. Mm. In our pregame show, the guys were talking about how Clay is still working his way back in, and it's understandable. But are we going to see? And then, boom, he went out that night and exploded. Um, and but but you are right. Can you count on that regularly? But I kind of lean towards what Nuno said, which is to say. Mm. The guys who are great players on Phoenix, like we need to see them play big in big spots, particularly Chris Paul. I mean, he's an all-time great. Is he ready to get his team over the hump when he comes back healthy? I, that's going to be the big question of the Western Conference. Uh, he, he's one of many great players who've not always been at their best, in his case, largely because of injury, but not exclusively because of injury, and he wasn't good in the finals last year either. All right, this is Greeny here. According to research, 90% of employers plan to enhance their employee experience this year. If you need to add more employees, there's ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's technology finds qualified candidates for your job, and you can invite your top choices to apply. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. Coming up next, I will explain why yesterday might be a day that football fans wind up remembering for a very long time. That is next. This is Greeny. This is ESPN Radio. 
Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I don't want to get sidetracked by this. Hembo, you drag me back in. So Rolling Stone magazine does a list of the top 10 lead singers of all time. And Hembo just offhandedly mentions to me this morning that he has basically not heard of any of them. And so I want everyone to know what Bubba and I have just sat through. In the last three minutes during this break, I have heard Hembo say the following. Was Mick Jagger the lead singer of Aerosmith or ACDC? That's one of the things he said. Another thing he said is, I don't know who Robert Daltrey is. (laughs) And the third of them, maybe most importantly, was, was John Lennon Paul McCartney's guitarist? (laughs) Did he play the guitar for Paul McCartney? Is that who John Lennon was? So... I can't decide which of those. I guess the third one is the most egregious, although yeah. to try and, and, and somehow quantify them <laughs> is almost impossible. And I did not want to get sidetracked by this conversation. But Hembo, if, how do you not know any of these things? These are things everyone but you knows. I knew six of the top ten people. Tell me who they are. Freddie Mercury is the lead singer of Queen. Go on. Bono sings for U2. Right. Mick Jagger sings for either Aerosmith or ACDC. Okay, go on. (laughs) I don't know who Jim Morrison is. I don't know who Roger Daltrey is. Eddie Vedder is from Pearl Jam. Right. John Lennon played the guitar for the Beatles. Uh, Chris Cornell, I think, sang for Soundgarden. And Kurt Cobain sang for Nirvana. Okay, so first of all, sang for yeah. you sound like you're such that a baseball sound, guy. That sounds so like, yeah, yeah, he awkward. pitched for them, and that means sang for. Sang for. So, 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 Bubba, what am I supposed to? I do? mean, earlier in, in break, this all started because he asked me. He's like, "Hey, hey, Bubba, I'm going to say a name. Tell me if you know him." And I thought he was going to name some like obscure baseball player from like you know the 1930s, and he's like Robert Plant. <laughs> I'm like, what? I yes, know, I, I know who begin. Robert Plant I have is. never read the name Robert Plant before today. You told me he sings for Led Zeppelin? Sings for Led Stop Zeppelin. Yes, sings he does. For. He sings for Led Zeppelin. Um, I, I really don't know how, I don't know what I'm supposed to say now. Like, how, uh, so I ask you, you're the audience of this show. You're a listener. You want to hear us talk about sports? I want to. I teased Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> but if you're sitting with someone and that someone says to you the things that Hembo just said to me, most notably, did John Lennon play the guitar for Paul McCartney? Yeah, let's unpack that one. How, how am I supposed to go on? What did he say? He's like, oh, yeah, I thought he played guitar, and that's how it, all, that's how yeah, it ended. And that's where that ended. <laughs> yeah, I thought, where he ended. said, I thought Paul McCartney was the lead singer of the Beatles, and that's where that ended. Am I wrong? Is Paul McCartney, is he, is he not the Beatles' lead, lead singer? He is 
one of the one of the one of the yes, things you were that, wrong. Yes, you were you're wrong. Did two lead singers. They had they. Uh, they t- all sang. They all sang. The, the Beatles are the greatest band of all time in large part. You don't, you don't, he doesn't know that there were John songs and Paul songs. And do you know that George Harrison sang? Ringo had songs. Ringo sang, We All Live in a Yellow Submarine. Ringo Starr, the drummer, sang that? Yes, correct. It's bizarre. And I get by with a little help from my friends and Octopus's Garden. Okay, I can't do this anymore. He I sang for that song. You're not pulling my leg? No, at, he was mostly the drummer, but at times he sang for the Beatles. <laughs> Who knew? I'm, I'm just done with this. Okay. Every, everyone knew. <laughs> everyone knew except for you. We have to go on. I, I have to get to the football. I cannot, I cannot have another segment go by without we're just talking about this. Bubba, this is idiocy. Real quick. Yeah. Who did Mick Jagger sing for? He still sings for the Rolling Stones. Oh, the Stones. He is the lead singer of the Rolling Stones. He is, there was a moment in time when he was probably one of the five most famous people on planet Earth, and that time was not that long ago. And he, they he still tour. Yeah, he toured this year. The first He's I ever heard his name right was in a Bruno Mars song, if, oh, if I'm not God, mistaken. Get, at, get him off the set! I agree. You're talking about moves like Jagger? Yes, yes. Which, which was a Maroon that, 5 song. That's a Maroon song. 5 song. It's not a Bruno Mars song. Same guy, song. though, right? Jeez. That same Mick Jagger? I mean, poor Christine. Christine Lisi, who does her updates, is sitting in her studio, and I don't know if she's laughing because it's funny or she's just disgusted. Christine, turn the mic on. Christine, have you ever heard anything like this in your entire life? I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. Is she on? I have not. The, oh. the sings for thing is throwing me off a little bit. <laughs> yes, thank you. It's disgraceful, right? Has Has he ever heard of Bruce Springsteen? Have you ever heard of Bruce Springsteen? Yes, he, he okay. just sings for himself. Oh, <laughs> Lord, have mercy. <laughs> he just sings for I mean, himself. My, my in-laws are, are, are Jersey people, so okay. I've heard of Bruce Springsteen. Okay. He sings several... He's You're right. born in the USA. It, it is only Jersey people who've heard of Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Thank you for narrowing sports, that Or sports down. writers. Jersey people are sports writers. Yeah. M- mo- not, name another per- Christine Lisi, just name another person in music that you would think everyone has heard of. Uh, I'm trying to think. I would say Michael Stipe, but I don't know. That might be too... Michael Stipe. You should see the look on <laughs> Hembo's face. Michael, that's the first time I've ever heard someone say R-E-M? that name. R-E-M, yes. They sang uh, uh, Losing My Religion? <laughs> yes, they did. Wow. Yeah. That's correct. <laughs> Let's go. That's pretty wow. good. And even that is a rel- – but Michael Stipe is comparatively pretty obscure, right? Michael Stipe versus freaking Mick Jagger, right. Christine. He doesn't know who Mick Jagger is. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with this? How do, I, how do I continue working with a person when he has this little knowledge of the world in which we live? The music thing is a little stunning because you, you go to college, you, you listen to all these different bands and, and you, you know, I, I, that's how I found out about R.E.M. And, and you two and everybody. Mike, you and I are about the same age. So that's like when I learned about all that music. But what did you do in college? What did you listen to? Did you to? not listen to music? I, I listened to, I guess, newer music, I guess. I, I mean, I read. For example, a, um, have you ever heard of a band called Yellow Card? Yeah, didn't you bring them in to meet us once? Yeah, they actually came one day. <laughs> okay, so let's just be clear. If you, yeah. the researcher on a sports talk show, mm-hmm. called the Rolling Stones and said, hey, you got some time to come by and meet the hosts, he wouldn't have that time. Mick Jagger would not be available for that meeting. Let's you're just be clear s- on you're that. You're certain. I'm quite, <laughs> I'm quite certain of that. <laughs> Elton John. Elton John I've heard of. Billy Joel. Yes, Billy Joel and you and, seem hesitant. Well, Billy Joel and Bruce Springsteen. I often confuse their songs, but I do know Billy Joel sings a song called "The Piano Man." Yeah, that is correct. He what is. about Brian Wilson? Uh, he closed for the Giants. 
Jesus. I don't know who he sang for. <laughs> we should do. We should do a bit, Christine. Well, like an old school Mike and Mike bit where we just come up with names of people and they are either obscure baseball players <laughs> or incredibly famous people from any other walk of life. Right. I love that idea. And I'm guessing you will know the baseball players before you will know the ridiculously famous people. Who is this Brian Wilson? He was wow. from a, a band called the Beach Boys. Does as word of them reached you? I've heard of them. Pink I've, Floyd. Pink Floyd. You know, I always thought Pink Floyd was the gentleman's name that sang. That's just the name of the group, right? right. He oh, actually yeah. asked me if Leonard Skinner was a person or not. If Led Zeppelin was a person named Led Zeppelin, I swear I'm not making this up. So either one of two things is going on: either you are the greatest actor no. that I've ever uh-uh. seen, you know that, or you genuinely don't know anything. Well, let's do the movie thing then, because you were giving me a hard time this morning about this movie thing, and I still don't understand. All right. We are now wasting so much time. I I want you all to hear. Christine, keep your mic open. Okay. So there's been a lot of talk lately about the movie The Godfather, because it is the the, the anniversary of its release, 50-year anniversary of its release. And so I've been reading a lot about it and all the rest of that. And so I said to Hembo, have you ever seen The Godfather? And he said, yes. And then, Hembo, tell Christine what you then said. I said, yes, of course I've seen The Godfather. Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> well, you got the actor, right? That's, the, that's like the famous line. He's, there's, like, there's like stacks of cash. Uh-huh. This Italian guy's smoking a cigar. Right. Like you can't stop. You need to stop hoodwinking me on this show. Like I know some <laughs> stuff. Say uh, hello to my little like, Right? That's, yes, yes. Yes. I yes. got that. That's a line from a movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's not from The Godfather. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a freaking Al Pacino in, in Scarface for crying out loud. It's not oh. The Godfather. Now, he is also in the, Go- in, in the Godfather, which is merely the most ridiculous coincidence of all time. He's not even Italian in that movie. He's Cuban in that movie. Uh, I, what am I, Bubba, help me. What am I supposed to do with this information? I, I can't go on like this. We, we can't go on. It's, no, we can't. It's too much. Brendan's head's going to explode. It's too the much. music thing is too much for Brendan. Yeah. I have seen The Godfather, though. I, I, I confused. Well, you've not been able to prove it thus far. So The Godfather is, is the main character named Dan Corleone. Dan? <laughs> I mean, now you're, just, now you're Corleone, right? Uh, the, the, Corleone. This isn't real. Corleone. This up. You Corleone. have to be making this Corleone, up. Corleone, Corleone. He is the, yes, it's Corleone, but it's Don Corleone oh. because you call the mafia guy a Don. Ah. All right, I have to work on this. I, I th- I, I'm starting to think you're making this up. Eric Clapton, ever heard of him? Guitar? Yes, yes, guitar. He's very good at that. Yes. <laughs> Has some interesting views on the world. Uh, this is Greeny coming to you live from above the Heineken River deck at Pier 17. I have to break. I promise we're going to dive deeply into a variety of good sports conversation next. Stay with us on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. 
Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. What athletes are there that are that level of famous? Like when, when, when we are to consider, so let's just say for the sake of argument, the movie The Godfather is 50 years old. That's the reason that it is getting a lot of attention right now. Big stories I was reading in the Times over the weekend about uh, the making of it. And, and almost all the principals are still alive. Al Pacino is still alive. Robert Duvall, the director, Francis Ford Coppola is still alive. Almost everyone connected to it is still alive, which is remarkable considering how long it's been. And so, like, you can get a lot of great stories. And apparently the studio didn't want Al Pacino and all this stuff. Anyway, I've been reading a lot about it, which is why I have it on the brain. You go back 50 years, 1972, that movie was released. How many people who would be described as prominent athletes in 1972 do you think remain, quote unquote, household names today? Hmm. I'm asking this without knowing an answer. But Bubba, like what would what would be the guess? Like in 1972, what athletes would have been household names then that would remain household names now? I'm just thinking it through. Like in 1972, I would guess the really famous football players would be O.J. Simpson, who, right. who does remain that for a variety of reasons. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Who else was 1972? Muhammad what, what, Ali. Muhammad Ali, would, and, and he's not even alive anymore, mm-hmm. and he would remain that. Everyone knows, yeah. Kareem? Kareem, yes. That would be the very beginning of his career. It was the very end of Willie Mays. Uh, Walt? Henry Aaron? Uh, Frazier? See, is Walt? Fra- I don't think Walt Frazier is that kind of known. You and I are from New York, and we love him. Do you think right now you ask this question, Walt Frazier, you show a picture of him to a kid in, uh, or to a, a person almost anywhere else in America, they know who Walt Frazier is? I don't think so. I really don't. Mm-mm. I mean, the names that sort of continue to reverberate. Pe- uh, the only one would be Pele, because he's universally mm-hmm. known. Yeah. Pele, yeah. Pele, very famous. Muhammad Ali. Uh, baseball players? I mean, that would have been the end of Mays. And the end of Henry Aaron. Those are, those are the two most famous players from that period, 50s through 70s. It's just interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, sports doesn't have the kind of longevity that a lot of these other things do. All right, we will jump to a bunch of stuff here in 15 seconds. Stay with me. So I told you that I think yesterday could wind up being a day that football fans remember for a long time. I do not want to overstate this. I am not sitting here telling you that I believe Mitchell Trubisky is about to become the next NFL superstar. I do, however, believe it is a real possibility that Mitch Trubisky winds up being the Steelers' starting quarterback for a long time, and they wind up having a lot of success with him. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Deshaun Watson. And those are the two players drafted after him to whom he will always be compared. And if you're going to use that as the standard of measure, it's never, he's never going to live up. He's not going to be Josh Allen, who he backed up last year in Buffalo. But Mitch Trubisky was picked second in the NFL draft for a reason. He has a skill set. And he had, he, when they were utilizing that in Chicago, he was an MVP candidate. People forget this. It's like it never happened. He had a very good year in Chicago. And then the coach of Chicago, Matt Nagy, decided he didn't like the way they were playing offense that suited what Mitch Trubisky did. He was going to start turning Mitch Trubisky into a square peg to fit in the square hole that is his offense. 
instead of the round peg that he actually is. He went to Buffalo, where there is a round peg by the name of Josh Allen, who has since developed or has become now developed into one of the best quarterbacks in the league, maybe the best. But he didn't start out that way. You know who Josh Allen looked a lot like when he started? Mitch Trubisky. That's why I was sure he was going to go to the Giants, Nuno, your team, because Brian Dayball is there, and I really thought that Dayball would say, get me that guy, and I'm going to do with him exactly what we did with Allen. And what Graziano told me on the TV show this morning, Nuno, is Trubisky had some interest from the Giants but saw Pittsburgh as a clearer path to a starting job. What do you think? Um, I understand it because I think the money probably would be around the same thing, right? So he didn't get that much money. I'm well, that's surprised. what I mean because the Giants don't have any mo- like Giants don't have any money. They're you know they're shopping. I don't even know where they're shopping at this point in time. But so it just he looked at the situations and it made sense that he goes into that room and. And uh, the Steelers, we've seen what uh, Mason Rudolph is, which isn't much. Uh, So it's kind of like, this gives me the best opportunity. I know for a fact there isn't lip service here where the Giants can tell me, hey, you can come in and compete, but you're going to have to play a lot better than Daniel Jones to actually win the job. In this case, he's better than Mason Rudolph already. He walks in there into the most stable organization there is with the most stable coaching that there is. And... Some pretty good talent on that team. So they have to figure out the offensive line. Of that, there is no question. But so did a lot of teams, and that's figure-outable. I think Trubisky has a chance to immediately be effective, not superstar level, but immediately play well enough for them to win and for them to win some games next year. And as they, if they, and as they continue to develop him, I think he has a real shot turned into a good NFL quarterback. Again, I don't want to overstate it. I'm not sitting here telling you he's the next superstar. But do I think he's going to be a quarterback that they can and will win a lot of games with for the next, you know, five, six years? I absolutely do. I want to float a comp and see if you like it. Ryan Tannehill makes a lot of sense if you're trying to look on the high end of what Mitchell Trubisky could be. Like you mm-hmm. said, not a superstar, but when, I, when he's at his best, a quarterback you could argue over the last few years has been among the top 10 or so in the league. Another quarterback who sort of failed in Miami, but was a top 10 pick and obviously demonstrated he has the talent. And if you put Ryan Tannehill on the Steelers, they could win the AFC North practically every year. I think that's a good comp. They don't remind me of each other as players, but I think the circumstance does Mm -hmm. remind you of it. He's obviously been more than good enough to win with in Tennessee. They've gone to the playoffs a bunch of years. He had a terrible playoff game this year, uh, and that's why they lost to Cincinnati. But that's neither here nor there. So I am a believer in Trubisky, and I, I think that they have a real shot. Now, they're in a tough division. Cincinnati is spending money exactly as you knew they would on their offensive line, so they're going to be really good. Um, Baltimore can't be as hurt as they were a year ago. I believe in their coach. I believe in their quarterback. I think they'll obviously be good. And that brings us to Cleveland. I'm hearing Cleveland is in it on Deshaun Watson. And when I say I'm hearing, people say it out loud on my TV show this morning, so it's not like I'm scooping anything. That would be a fascinating one. And the sense I get is that he's not interested in going there. But depending on what they had to give up, I would give up every draft pick I have for the rest of my life, if I'm the Browns, to get Deshaun Watson. Because if you put Deshaun Watson on the Browns with the team that, as it is generally currently constituted, I think the Cleveland Browns are an immediate Super Bowl contender. I mean, absolutely a Super Bowl contender with a ton. What did you say, uh, Nuno? 
So Adam Schefter about two minutes ago talking about Deshaun tweeted, the Falcons have emerged as a sleeper team to acquire uh, Deshaun Watson. Oh, that's interesting. Now, I have been under the impression that they were staying with Matt Ryan. This seems to be an all NFC South discussion now, right? Because we're hearing Carolina for Deshaun Watson and we're hearing New Orleans for Deshaun Watson. And now you're telling me we're hearing Atlanta. Let me get to that here, Schefter. Um let me read it verbatim. The Falcons have emerged as a sleeper team to acquire Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson. League sources tell Mort and me. The Falcons join the Panthers, Saints, and Browns as teams that have met with or are interested in trading for Watson. More to come on ESPN. And that's a really interesting one. Look, the Deshaun Watson situation is so complicated, and it's so hard to be a person sitting in this chair talking about it. Because while he has... While it has been determined he will not face criminal charges, um, that does not mean that the accusations against him are, A, not real, and B, not very disturbing. And the civil cases remain, and there is a lot left to be adjudicated. And it is difficult for me to just talk about this like a football player, uh, like he is just a football player without any of these extenuating circumstances. Period. New paragraph. Players of his caliber... If indeed he is available, even if he, let's just say for the sake of argument, he suspended six games or something like that. He's under contract for what, like four more years? Like you're, 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 buying, on the, you're buying on the future on him. You're talking about a 26-year-old who's one of the three best quarterbacks in football. That's not an overstatement. We move so fast in life these days that we forget. But a year ago at this time or whenever it was before these things started to come out, you would have... You could easily have gone Mahomes one, Deshaun two. Easily, easily. He's that good. When we talk about Allen and Herbert, and he's absolutely that good. So the opportunity to get him purely from a football standpoint is unprecedented. When does a guy like this become available like this? But again, the reason he is available like this is because the circumstances are so horrendous. I mean, it's just a terrible set of circumstances. So I don't know exactly what to say, but I will say that as a sports talk show, I think the sports piece of this, it is very legitimate to say Deshaun Watson, if he's eligible to play next year, I think if you put him on New Orleans, they become a legit contender. I think if you put him on Carolina, they become a fascinating team to watch. If you put him on Atlanta, they become markedly better and let's see what they're able to do. And if you put him on Cleveland, I think they're a Super Bowl contender. So if those are the four teams we're talking about, that's how, that's how um, consequential a move is on the verge of being made in the NFL. And, and if you weren't watching our TV show this morning, Shefty said, this is all moving quickly. I expect something to be done by the end of the week, by the end of the week for Deshaun Watson to be traded from Houston to somewhere else, to one of these teams we just named, or maybe there's another sleeper that will emerge in all of this. You can't overstate the importance of it, right? I, I know you in particular, Hembo, have told me how disturbed you are by mm-hmm. the allegations. I get it. I respect it. It's horrible. But we're a, a sports show from a, of a football perspective. You can't overstate how good he is. And to be available at age 26, it's practically unprecedented. Last year, or after the 2020 season, his last season, you and I did an essay detailing that it was historically good, not an exaggeration. The, the, and, and because at that time he demanded a trade, I looked into context for when in NFL history had a quarterback that good, that young, ever changed teams. 
It had never happened. Mm. So obviously a lot has happened between then and now, but there has never been an instance in the history of the NFL where a player that plays that position, who is as young as Deshaun Watson is, changes teams. It doesn't happen. It's never happened. And my guess, based on that tweet from Shefty about the Falcons, is that while I'm sure they're interested, that Matt, the, the Matt Ryan contract is pretty close to unmovable. So if I'm Atlanta, what I'm trying to do is just drive the price up. I want the Saints and the Panthers to, you know, in effect, have to bid against each other to almost cripple their program moving forward if one of them winds up getting Deshaun Watson. That's smart thinking. Since you said that, I'm trying to find the notes you sent me on that Deshaun Watson piece because now I do remember it, but I don't have them in this file that I sometimes keep your notes to me in. If we can find that, let's find it. Let's remind everyone just how good this guy's last season was. And again, I want to make it clear. I feel the need to consistently preface this conversation by saying we are well aware of the circumstances involving Watson, and they are disturbing, and they cannot and should not be overlooked. Um, So it is all just one big discussion, and there are a lot of different tentacles to it, and we're trying to figure out, as you are, how to process all the different things. You have the notes here? I do have a couple, and I'll share my favorite ones. So in that season, Deshaun Watson completed 70% of his passes and averaged more than 8.5 yards per pass attempt. The only other quarterbacks in NFL history to do that in a season were Joe Montana in 1989, Steve Young in 1994, and Drew Brees in 2009, all three Super Bowl winning seasons. The Texans went 4-12, and 12, and he combined for 83% of their offense, which was the most in NFL history for any player in a single season. He that's was right. everything to that team. That, that's the point we were making. And again, this is before any of the allegations came out, but now that you read those, I remember it. We were making a point of how badly that team let him down and why he would want to be traded. Mm-hmm. Remember J.J. Watt walking off the field saying, I'm sorry we wasted a year of your career to him because their defense was historically bad. Wasn't their defense that year one of the worst defenses in NFL history by yeah, the stats? Here's my note. So ESPN had been tracking uh, efficiency since 2006. The Texans' defense ranked... 478th among 480 defenses we measured over that period of time. So they, they were as bad a defense as basically the league has ever had. <laughs> and that's the reason that Deshaun Watson put up numbers about as good as any quarterback ever has. And yet his team went 4-12. and 12. Not 9-7, and 4-12. and 12. So that's the point we were making then. Obviously, that point has changed substantially, and we'll see. We'll continue following this, but it is most certainly a very big deal, and it could happen very soon. Tune into the ESPN Daily Podcast, bringing you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters presented by Supercuts. Uh, It's available uh, everywhere that you enjoy your podcast. Quickly, I believe this first came up with Bart yesterday, Bartholomew Scott, on Barton Hahn here on ESPN Radio. I saw the guys on KJM talking about it on TV this morning, and we were going to get to it on the ra- on, um, on Get Up this morning, and then the, the Aaron Rodgers news broke. But let me ask you this. The Arizona Cardinals have a quarterback situation. It's an entirely different one, but they seem to have a little bit of an issue right now with Kyler Murray. The Houston Texans are looking to trade Deshaun Watson. If those two teams decided they were to try to use the other as the solution to their problem. How do you like that trade from both sides? If the building block pieces, are you throwing in a draft pick here or there or whatever it is, but the building block pieces, Nuno, of a trade are Kyler Murray to Houston, Deshaun Watson to Arizona. How do you like it from both sides? I think it's probably the best value that the, the 
uh, Texans will get in terms of like, are you, you know, a Baker Mayfield potentially or something of that nature, drafting some guy, you know, a someone in the first round this year. I think it is the uh, the best potential in terms of just uh, talent. Um, and for the Cardinals, they put some, I think, ahead of the the uh, the ba- uh, the Brady Brady and the Bucks. I think it puts ahead of the, uh, the Rams to actually mm. as Super Bowl favorites in my eyes. That's interesting. What do you think of it, quickly, Bubba? I agree with Nuno. I think it's it's the best possible uh, scenario for both teams, and uh, I think we should do it. Let's well, it's it a done. ridiculous scenario for Arizona. It would yeah. be an unbelievably good scenario Absolutely. Yeah. for Arizona. Again, assuming that you are willing to live with whatever it is you're living with with Deshaun Watson, and he is eligible right. to play. What do you think of it? How about from the Houston side of it, Hembo? I don't agree with either of you. I would not trade Kyler Murray for Deshaun Watson. There's no chance I would do it. He's got two years left on his rookie contract. He has demonstrated that he has talent close to Deshaun Watson's talent. And with Deshaun Watson, I'm trading for a bunch of other stuff that I'd rather not touch. I mean, if you're a team that's trading for Deshaun Watson, you have to sort of plug your nose and be desperate. The Cardinals are not uh, operating from a position of desperation because they have Kyler Murray in their building. That's an interesting um, perspective on it. I actually am more leaning towards the side that Nuno and Bubba had, and I wish we had more time to talk about it, but we will. I'm going to play a bunch of music for Hembo and tell him what it is as this day continues. Um, I'm going to try and recover from that conversation, and then we'll see you back in Better Than Ever tomorrow right here on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.